Mary Beth Westmoreland always knew she'd land a job in technology. Her love of math and science inspired her too much for her not to end up in that field. What she didn't know is that she'd become one of the most influential and passionate leaders in the technology space. Mary Beth is the CTO of BlackBot, and she joined IT Visionaries to discuss how she is helping to drive change and innovation in the technology space, and why working with nonprofits to provide them with the proper technology excites her every day. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. This podcast is created by the team at mission.org. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, and we are joined by special guest, Mary Beth, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? You know, it's a great day. Uh, it's a great day to be talking technology and everything about BlackBot in your background. So before we get into any of that, how did you get started in technology in the first place? Uh, that's a loaded question. But um, first of all, I want to say thanks so much for having me on your podcast. It's really an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Um, but I mean, so technology, it's always a good day, in my opinion, to to talk tech. So I love that you want to do that too. I mean, I got interested in technology from a, a super young age. I can remember being in elementary and middle school and I just remember really loving math and science. And that kind of continued for me through high school and college. Like I actually found it a lot easier than English and history. That took a lot of work and a lot of memorization. And I felt like I didn't have to work so hard at math and science. So maybe it's because I'm lazy. I'm not sure. But when I was in college, I really like matriculated towards computer science. And quite honestly, that's when I really hit my stride as I, I knew I wanted to do something in the engineering and computing field. So yeah, that's, that's why I found myself here. Probably a result of laziness and just love of math and science. Yeah. I, I, every good technologist, a little bit of lazy, a little bit of love for math and science. Um, <laughs> you know, you have, uh, been named a couple times one of the 50 most powerful women in technology by the National Diversity Council. You, uh, the amazing company that you work for, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, um, was named one of the companies changing the world by fortune. Um, but beyond the fame and fortune of uh, of those things, I'm, I'm curious, what is the scope of your current role? Yeah, and I love that you mentioned those awards. I mean, they're really very nice. I mean, at the heart of who I am, my role, is I think I'm really an architect and an engineer um, at heart. But what I, um, what I have responsibility for here at BlackBot STTO is a technology strategy. So think about architecture strategy, but also product strategy. So product managers who set and run strategy across our whole portfolio, data and analytics strategy and solutions, um, I have our amazingly talented user experience design team. I have a team that works on strategic content. I have this really cool team called Blackboard Labs, and they're kind of an incubation team where they look at new technology and some of the disruptive kind of solutions that can be applied to help our customers. So it's a really diverse 
really awesome and cool team to work with. I mean, every day is different for me and I just, I love the folks that I work with. And so, yeah, explain what being CTO means at Blackboard. Well, I mean, the most responsibility I have, most of my time is really spent on um, helping and guiding and setting strategy on architecture, engineering, our cloud software solutions, as well as those product strategy, the product strategy I just mentioned. But, you know, through our teams of user experience and product leaders, we, you know, we spend time doing discovery with our customers to understand what their problems are so that we can apply some great technology to solving those problems in in unique and more creative ways that they love. It's doing things like understanding data and analytics and what's possible. So through things like understanding what our customers are doing, being able to provide benchmarks and best practices as part of our user experiences. So I could go on and on, but just to put it short, is being able to kind of combine talents across my group to be able to deliver what I think of as like the best cloud solutions for the philanthropic market. Yeah. And so what, for those of our listeners who don't know, what, um, who are BlackBot customers? Gosh, we have a lot of different customers. Um, we serve nonprofits and those are kind of the bread and butter of who you think of in the social good space. So these are the folks who are out there on the grounds delivering mission in the family and human services space. We serve animal welfare organizations and food banks and Habitat for Humana, you name it. We have so many different and diverse nonprofits that we serve, but we also serve um, missions, help to provide um, solutions for organizations like arts and cultural organizations. And these are the folks who are like museums and aquariums who have people who contribute to them, but also have programs and missions that are different to educate and provide services to the public. Um, we help companies uh, that provide, we provide cloud solutions to power things like employee giving and volunteering and matching giving through companies as well as company grant giving. We, we serve, speaking of grants, we serve foundations. So these are the folks who actually provide grants to those nonprofits so that they can drive good in the world. Um, we serve schools, K-12 schools and higher ed institutes. Um, we help and provide portals for parents and students. We provide tools for alumni, tracking and engagement and donor management, scholarship award management. We provide solutions for faith-based organizations and to help with running the church office and things like child care check-in at a church. Um, and then we serve people like you and me who like to give our time or our dollars to causes that we care about. So lots of different different organizations um, throughout this ecosystem that we serve, but all that have in common the will and the mission to do more good in the world. So, you know, we talk to a lot of CIOs and CTOs that kind of share responsibilities. This line is is blurred a little bit. Um, how much do you work with like on building product versus working on some of like the internal employee experience type things? Great question. Because as technologists, it, we are we don't make robots. Right. It's the people who we have here who understand our customers needs and are passionate about that and are creative and highly skilled themselves who are developing the solutions. Right. This is not a manufacturing organization. It's a technology company. And if we don't invest in our people and hire great, diverse teams, then we're nothing. Right? That's that's where it's at for us. And so we really try to a lot of the folks who are here at Blackbot are here because of the mission of our customers. Like anyone can develop a mobile app. But a mobile app that helps a nonprofit be more successful in their mission, that's different. 
And so we try to connect those two things together. What you said is like the external facing product and the internal development of our, of our employees, that those two are very connected. We want all of our employees to feel close to our customers. And we want to nurture them as individuals here as technologists as they grow in their careers, but also as people who care about doing more social good in the world. And we do that through things like we do day of caring events. We have volunteer for vacation. We try to get more and more of our employees more connected to organizations in our communities. Um, and we do a lot of other things in terms of recruiting and building diverse teams. But I see those two things so, so connected. This culture of internal that really delivers the excellence externally. Yeah, you know, and you have so many different types of customers, like, mm -hmm. you know, like all the ones that you mentioned, uh, you know, philanthropic work is so different. Um, so how do you kind of expand that customer experience? How does that, how does the Blackboard product allow them to be able to do all of these sort of different, different things and be a technology layer that can help them do better work? Yeah, that, that's a really, really great question because here's the interesting thing. Out of all of those organizations and entities that I described, there are actually significant common elements across every single one of those markets. Right? You think about things like online donations, mobile donations, right? As a museum or an aquarium or a school or a foundation or a company, I need to do that. I need to facilitate that. Or being able to like leverage analytics to help to connect organizations to causes that they care about. Or being able to leverage good, like there's, there's specific financial back office requirements for all of those different organizations but they're common. So we have common back office financial sub ledger AR kinds of um, back office tools that help any one of those organizations run their business. So it, it, it feels very different when you think about each of those verticals, but when you start to tease out what the solutions are, there's so many column, common elements across them. And then there are some unique elements that come with each of the different entities I described. I mean, I mentioned child check-in for a church organization or alumni engagement for schools. Um, but, but for the most part, when you can think about cloud solutions as common capabilities that then you can expand on, right, you can, you can start to see how they can converge and, you know, really make sense. As someone who has, you know, who's in the military for a long time and then so working with the, the federal government and then um, I'm involved in um, pretty decent amount of, uh, you know, nonprofit work, right. you know, there is a massive need for all of the nonprofit community to level up their technology stack. It's, it's a huge, huge issue. Um, because it's one of those things that when those executive directors are sitting down and they say, you know, to their board, I'm going to invest, you know, I have an extra $1,000 a year. Do I invest that into, you know, another shelter or another, you know, whatever, maybe let's make it more, make it, make it $50,000, another employee potentially, or whatever it is, or invest in technology. It seems like it would, you know, always go to the thing that's not technology. But we know is that technology makes every employee more productive or have more impact or things like that? Like, how do you kind of look at 
how technology can help, you know, shape the nonprofit community. Yeah. Okay. I love, I love your experience there because you described a problem, especially for smaller nonprofits with a lot of, you know, kind of volunteer employees and definitely board members. It, it, you, it, it is sometimes a hard sell to increase operating costs without showing the return on investment. And um, Ian, what, what nonprofit were you associated with? I'm curious. So I've done a bunch of work with Boy Scouts, um, and then I'm involved in a bunch of other stuff with like the military veteran community. Uh, there's like a nonprofit vet veteran startup accelerator, vet tech, and a bunch of bunch of other stuff. Yes, I love that. Okay, that's great. Um, um, and there's so many great, by the way, kind of um, similar organizations to vet tech now that you're seeing pop up across the country, which I think is fantastic. The problem that you described about nonprofits being able to truly understand what their payback is on investment in technology is super important. We don't want to be a technology provider just as a provider. Our goal is to make sure that our customers are able to gain resources, to be able to divert more time and quite honestly, more dollars and resources to their missions. And that's what we're solely focused on. We, we don't want this to be a, just a, a cost to them, right? This is this is about really helping them propel their mission, given some of the specific challenges that nonprofits have. And you've described one of them. Others are things like training. With so many volunteers coming through a lot of the nonprofits that we serve, we have to make sure that our solutions are easy to use and don't require a lot of training. And we can put the power of some of the technology in the hands of people that are on the ground actually doing the work. And all of those things are important to us as we think about how to design great cloud software. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what are some of the things that your customers struggle with? Like, what are some of those things that, um, you know, as you're talking to other CTOs, or maybe probably in most cases, they don't have a CTO. Uh, maybe that's part of the problem. Uh, or CIOs where, um, you know, you're talking about things like leveraging data and analytics or, or things like that, that they're not doing. Um, I'm curious, like, what are some of the issues that they're having? You know, a lot of, it depends, to your point, it really depends on which organizations we work with. There are some organizations who have their own analytics shops. I mean, it's a very small minority of the customers that we serve. But what you tend to see in those shops is that they are, you know, they're challenged with moving their technology payload to the cloud, or they have multiple enterprise systems that don't really work well together. I mean, you see very similar challenges in some of the enterprise nonprofits or higher ed institutes that you might see in the corporate world. But then smaller nonprofits, some of the things that we've already talked about is some of the transitional workforce or, you know, they, they some, and, and as you know, having worked in some of the nonprofits that you have, you know, nonprofits at any tier, they have vast needs in technology, right? They have to be able to track their finances. They need to be able to hire and pay employees. They need to be able to engage with their donors. They have to market. They have to implement programs. That's part of their mission. And then showcase those programs to their donors. Like it, it's very similar to a, a typical like company, quite honestly. And so we think about it that way. We want to be able to, like the reason that we're here is 
Like I have a very strong desire to take the best of what is available in technology and provide it back to the nonprofits, right? Why is a nonprofit any different than a Fortune 500 company other than perhaps their, you know, their ARR, their, their revenue and their size? Right? We, we should be thinking about how nonprofits are as deserving as the best that tech has to offer than anyone else. And so being able to do things like facilitate all of those different functions that I just described or make sure that systems interoperate in an open platform kind of way or leverage the best in analytics. Those are all things that problems that we think about every day and that are real to our, all of our customers that we serve. Yeah. I, um, it's a really interesting kind of state of, you know, state of affairs because of all of the use cases for technology, nonprofit might be the best because you can do more with less, right? Um, there's so much of what is needed of basically like mid-level bureaucracy that you don't need in the nonprofit community um, where you have all these people on the ground doing, you know, the day-to-day -day work. And then you have kind of like a leadership team that is like setting the strategy you know, doing the operations, doing finance, doing all those functions, and then technology can be that kind of middle layer. It seems like that, that the nonprofits of the future that are going to be the most successful are going to be the ones who can figure that out. I mean, headcount is the thing that is going to destroy most things. And for, you know, a lot of those organizations, at the end of the day, the people, you know, their, their employees are the people or their volunteers are the people who are doing, you know, the work out in the field and they need to be aided by technology. I mean, like you talked about use cases. One, one use case that we thought about is nonprofit um, fundraisers, like people who are out working with major givers, you know, people who, who give larger gifts or people who, you know, um, are there might be organizing events and marketing events, right? They're, they're out there really, like you said, pounding the pavement and doing the thing that, they love, but we need to put that, put that technology in their hands to enable that. And one of the things that we did is create um, in this, this solution that we have for fundraising called Razor's Edge NXT, and it's really like a full-fledged nonprofit back office system, as well as like some of the stuff that we just talked about. And it, we, we basically reimagined Razor's Edge, which was the prior product, and think about it as like that product that you used to deploy to customers who would install it on their own systems and manage it. We reimagined it as a cloud solution where when you're a major giving officer at a nonprofit, you log in in the morning and Razor's Edge tells you what you should do. And it, you can hit it from a mobile app or from like any browser-based device and it walks you through all of those actions that you should take today in order to engage the donors that you serve or to engage with new donors, leveraging things like analytics and web-based, you know, design practices and mobile tech and cloud, the cloud, right? That, that, we wanted to put all of that in the hands of people to help them do their job differently. So what, you know, kind of in that, in that kind of vein, not that many, unless you're a bigger organization, have a CIO, have thing, have a CTO, have things like that, uh, or have the capacity, or really should be building a tech stack, right? Um, you know, proprietary technologies that that help kind of that. Um, there's so many 
different ways that people are probably using, you know, some blend of off-the-shelf technology, some blunt blend of maybe freemium products or whatever. But a lot of the people, it seems like one of the issues would be um, you have disparate groups of volunteers kind of, all, you know, potentially all over the world. You have employees that are maybe on one type of technology. Um, you know, it seems like governance could be a huge issue with this, uh, especially with, you know, the the rise of things like we, you know, we've we've talked about, which is, you know, we need to know who's talking to who. We need to know what people are where in case of crisis, in case of any of those sort of things. So what what do you think the future of governance for the philanthropy community looks like? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I mean, it's different. We we have we have different layers of governance that we think about. You mentioned you mentioned a few, which is understanding where nonprofit employees are deployed and what they're doing. Um, and you want to make sure that not just for the reasons that you mentioned, but also you want them to be complementary in their actions and not duplicative in their actions. So you want to make sure that you have visibility and that you're that you have adequate coverage, but it's efficient and optimal. And we also have when we think about governance, we go right to data. So we our data and analytics practice um, combined with our security practice. So they're very tightly combined is that we have to be very careful about being good custodians of our customers and their donors data and that we we keep it secure, but that we're also leveraging it to do more good. So we take that very seriously about what data we have, how do we use it, how do we protect it, we lock it down um, because it's you know it, and it's a it's a problem that of course every tech company has, but it's one that Blackbot is investing in quite a lot. Um, we we have a pretty robust analytics center of excellence, an R and D center of excellence, so we're doing things like removing duplicate records from systems looking at who potential donors and prospects are, like are people able to give and are they likely to give? We're doing like we have data health services that will help to complete records. Like if I if I know you, Ian, but I don't have your email address, I can use a public service to complete that data. But at the end of the day, we want to be really, really cautious about making sure that we are very, very strong custodians of their data, that we protect it, we lock it down, we put risk and compliance at the forefront of everything we do. I don't know if that answered your question, by the way, but I wanted to make sure I, when you talk about governance, that's really, we're very highly invested internally in protecting our customers' data. Yeah. I mean, and and the reason why I asked that is is exactly what you're saying. I mean, there's just so many stakeholders in nonprofit. It, it's just different than, um, than I think a normal company um, because in most cases you have just so many volunteers and you have the people, um, you know, that you're helping and you have, uh, you know, the peti- potential people donating. It's just, it seems like there's so many, you know, like if you, if you're, you know, with, with our good friends at Salesforce, for example, right. It's like Salesforce is not, you know, trying to get individual people to, to, you know, donate back to Salesforce, for example, like, you know, so there's just additional layers of complexity, but with that, you know, you really need to know where all of that stuff, uh, where all of those people are. And it's so important to retrieve and archive that data. And it just feels like 
a lot of the nonprofit community has not been able to do that for a long time. And didn't have the resources to make sense of it when they could, like when they did keep the data, right? That they have the resources, that they have the people and the resources to be able to leverage that for good. And so that's like, honestly, quite like that, that, that's one of the mainstays of the cloud is that our customers, first of all, don't have to install, maintain and update and also lock down their software, like secure their own software. We do that for them. And then the second is that we can help them with their data assets, leveraging it to be able to do things like understanding benchmarks and best practices and, you know, completing addresses and understanding if a, you know, where someone is, like, for example, if you have a major giving officer in a certain geography and there's a prospect there, you want them to take them for coffee, right? We want to be able to connect some of those pieces together too. Non, I mean, nonprofits have a lot on their plates with, all, you know, you mentioned earlier that very streamlined operations, very sensitive to investments in technology, but I would say just operations overall. And so we want to make that as easy as possible and not put that burden on them. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to move into your team, innovation at Blackboard. Mm -hmm. How do you look at driving innovation? How do you engage employees um, to continue to, you know, push the limits and create? Well, you, um, you had asked the question before about, which I love, my gosh, I have never been really asked that question before, Ian. So I just want to say thanks again for asking it about how, to, like, how much time do you spend, you know, making sure that the associates of BlackBot are highly engaged, right? I love that question. And so like, for like, Thank you. <laughs> it's really good. It, most most of the stuff I do is more about like architecture and technology, and but it, it's so important because it goes back to innovation doesn't happen in one spot of the company. It happens everywhere. So where you have employees and associates who understand and are passionate about our customers' missions, and they work in teams. Like we're we're an agile shop, so we have Scrum teams. So where you have employees who understand customer problems you give them the power to solve the problem. You don't tell them how to solve it, right? You describe the problem and you give them access to seeing the problem, but then you support them in their quest to try stuff to see what is going to solve the problem the best. And I think that that leads to a lot of innovation. And we also have the Blackboard Labs team I mentioned earlier, that's doing some incubation work in like some specific tech areas or trying out some, cool new products, you know, which is a little bit of a different view of innovation, but innovation is, is really everywhere in the company, not in any one place. Do you, are you doing anything like hackathons or any of those sort of things? Yes. Yeah. So thanks for mentioning that. We have, um, we have a monthly hackathon. We call it tech Thursdays, but we also have, it used to be twice a year. Our um, it's called off the grid, blackboard off the grid. Um, and we did like, two 24-hour sessions, um, hackathons, but we changed it to once a year and we do a 48-hour. And you can imagine at the end of that 48 hours that we've got a lot of really sleepy <laughs> and tired engineers and product leaders and designers, um, but it gives them a little bit more time to do a lot more with it. And the goal is at the end of that time, and a lot of them use our cloud platform, like the platform that we've developed to power some of the solutions that we talked about earlier, but they use that to go really fast and develop new solutions that we would never have thought of. And you would be surprised at how much stuff that we've shipped. We bring our customers in a lot of times and have them work with our teams. They love, our customers love jumping into it and working hand in hand with some of our engineering teams. So that's been really fun too. 
Yeah, we do a lot of cool stuff. And we also have an accelerator. Oh, I forgot to mention this. So we just recently announced the Social Good Accelerator powered by um, One Billion by One Million, which is the um, virtual accelerator out in um, California, the Silicon Valley. They are working with us and we have a small group of finalists that we're helping to fund to develop some other really cool stuff on our platform that hopefully we're going to make available to our customers as well. So lots of stuff happening inside the company, outside of the company. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What about kind of your technology stack and how you look at things? You know, you've been at the company for a long time. How is kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, your digital transformation? Uh, what has it been like over, over the years from then to now? Um, we leverage uh, Java and um, .NET for our solutions. Uh, mostly they were the solutions that it's kind of historical, but we're kind of, uh, what we care most about is not the coding language, but the platform. So we have common authentication services, common deployment services. So we do CICD. We have a common data platform that's leveraged across all those services. We have common and consistent ways of developing and ship, shipping code that then is exposed externally and internally via things like APIs and webhooks. And then we distribute them via platform as a service or infrastructure as a service, depending upon where they need to live. Um, mostly based on performance or in, in country security requirements, those kinds of things. But for me, that's, that's the most important part of our, our common architecture strategy is that, that common cloud platform. Does that make sense? Am I, am I getting too deep for you in some of this? No, that's great. Are you on-prem in the cloud? We are definitely um, in the cloud. Most of our solutions are completely cloud-based. We do have a few customers primarily in the higher ed space who have most of our, again, most of our payloads are in the cloud, but some of them have specific requirements to live within the confines of their own IT infrastructure. So we also provide on-premises solutions um, for um, some of our customers as well. But for the most part, there's even some of those on-prem customers who need to host their own software. We'll use some of our cloud services, like our payment services, like our reporting or data services. So we think about that more as a hybrid than exclusively on-premises. You've written a bunch about, you know, women in technology, women in the workplace. Um, I'm curious. And, and also, you know, I should, I should mention that the company is in South Carolina. It's, you know, it's not sitting in, in the, I would say in the heart of Silicon Valley, which is funny because I'm in Oakland, which is not in Silicon Valley at all, but uh, it's in the Bay Area here. I, but I'm curious, um, how do you see you know, some of those changes, like, like I said, you've, you know, been with the company for a long time. How have you seen kind of the market evolve um, with, you know, some of the things that you've written about with women in technology and then also being, um, you know, being still coastal, but in, in kind of a different geographical area than some of the other tech, tech giants? Yeah, that's another really good question. I mean, we, our headquarters is here in Charleston, but we have offices in New Hampshire and Bedford, New Hampshire and Austin, Texas and Sydney, Australia and London. So we've got presence in other geographies. The, the market here in Charleston is not devoid of technology companies. There's lots of 
there's some incubators in town, um, some other tech companies. We are the largest software company in, in South Carolina. It's difficult to recruit talent no matter where you are. Being here in South Carolina, the challenge for us, I, when I get asked this question by like local government officials, I'll go right to, here's the challenges. The first is we don't have a direct flight to you know, lots of different airports where our airport is great and really easy to park and get on a flight if you're late, but it doesn't have the diversity in flights to be able to travel. And then I would say the second thing is just recruiting more and more tech companies to Charleston is developing the program. So we, like we work with local high schools and universities to create programs that help and spur the next generation of talent um, that hopefully we can recruit. We work a lot with, um, universities up and down the East Coast to have a really strong university recruiting pipeline, just like most tech companies do. We find that we, when we can hire people to Charleston, when we tempt them with the great tech stuff that we're doing, as well as the company or the customers that we serve, that we can keep great talent, I think, easier than, than some other companies. That they love living here. It's a beautiful place to live. We're right here on the coast, gorgeous gorgeous landscape, great weather. I love South Carolina. South Carolina and North Carolina. I love Charlotte. Have a lot of friends in uh, in that area. And Charleston, you know, is it's just a special place. It's it's different. It's it feels more I mean it's diverse. We have to work a little harder at recruiting talent here again, but we you know, I, I think once you get that in your DNA and you get outside of the area and really I mean we recruit heavily inside of the Charleston area in South Carolina, but you know, just like every tech company, we're looking everywhere, turning rocks over. And then what about the diversity piece? What are what are you seeing on, on that angle? I'm going to start by saying that diverse talent is just super, super important. I mean, diverse teams, and we have found this at BlackBot, they develop much better solutions. They solve problems more effectively and more creatively. And they just offer super amazing perspective. Um, but in, in terms of my role in helping to ensure that we create an in inclusive work environment, because that's important. Not only do you need to recruit and deliberately, like recruiting diverse talent is intentional. Like we have to go to specific universities and recruit. We like to plug into diverse coding communities like AnitaB.org or Black Girls Code or Latina Girls Code. Like we, we want to show up and, and help and create and nurture the next generation of engineers, but also recruit them to BlackBot. But then getting them here and creating, it's important for us to create a company culture that's inclusive. So we have, BlackBot has affinity groups for things like LGBTQ and African-American employees, veterans, which should be near and dear to your heart, Ian, um, women in tech, women in sales. So creating environment here within BlackBot that is inclusive. And then me showing up differently, as well as a we have two other women who are part of our executive leadership team at BlackBot, and we all take this very seriously, is really starting to get brave and play the role of a role model. You know, coming from someone like me who really didn't have a strong, really strong female role model, I feel like it's, that's my legacy, right? That's my job is to develop, mentor, open up doors for the next generation of diverse leaders, whether that be a, a woman or someone of other diverse background. And I take it really seriously. And I feel really fortunate to work for a company who also takes it seriously. Now, we, we still have a lot of work to do, just like every company, we really do. But we, 
we're in, highly invested in in making that change happen, and I'm proud of that. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, that's awesome to hear, and I think that it's one of those we're going to wake up one day and realize, like, of course, having diverse teams brings diversity of thought and idea, and when you're trying to um, create solutions for people all over the globe, then you should probably have people from all over the globe uh, contribute to those solutions. But beyond that, I think that it's also one of the things that from like an ecosystem standpoint that, you know, you have to invest in, like you have to actually put spend behind those initiatives. It's like any diversity initiative. I think the biggest problem that people have with them is, um, you know, I, I always used to say it's, it's a pretty, pretty simple equation. If you want to get you know, to 8% military veterans in your company or something like that. And you're at 1% right now, for example, um, you probably should spend at least 8% of your budget recruiting, your recruiting budget on recruiting veterans. It's kind of just like a no brainer. And if you really, it should be like double that because you need to course correct a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just, you know, you have to do it. You have to measure it. You have to have KPIs just like anything else. So well said. We, I completely, completely agree with you. You're right. You have to, and we, by the way, we have a, a my CEO, our CEO is, Mike Janoni is amazing with respect to that. He has a very strong passion around um, veterans and, um, you know, their future and their career growth. They, but he also feels really strongly about building an inclusive culture. And one of the reasons that he does, which I think is like super, interesting and insightful is that, and I think you touched on it, is when you have a workforce that reflects your customers, like that looks more like your customers' experiences, then that does put us in a better position to understand them more deeply and be able to solve for their needs. So I, I agree with what you said. So what what do you think is next for uh, the future of technology? What are you excited about? We're living in this very crazy world right now where things are changing every day, not just like in our work life, but in our, our home life, like in our personal lives, right? We think about like I, I drive a Tesla, it updates itself. It can drive itself. And pretty soon self-driving cars are going to hopefully take over the world and maybe put some insurance companies out of business. I'm not sure. Think about what's happening in manufacturing. We have 3d printing. I saw a YouTube video of a building being built out of, plastics that were manufactured exclusively from a 3D printer, which is amazing. I mean, drones delivering stuff to your doorstep. Um, you think about like nanocomputing. So nanocomputing is the, the power of like a supercomputer and a tiny little chip that you can put anywhere, like whether it be on your wrist or on your thermostat at home or on your dog, right? Like things are changing so dramatically because of nanocomputing. And I think about like tele telemedicine, like with 5G coming on board where you can span wireless networks and get the kind of throughput that you need to be able to put doctors remotely into places that are underserved. Um, commodity compute, we talked about commodity compute resources as platforms, just being able to spin up a, an Azure and AWS environment or a Google Cloud environment, like on a dime without having to go out and buy a computer. I mean, that's been around for quite a lot. So really, I mean, I, I could go on and on about this, but think about like all this crowdsourcing of everything, you know, disruptive technology for how you rent a hotel room or get a car ride someplace or how you 
leverage your network to, to donate to causes, right? Like we are, we're thinking about all this tech and how can it, how it can be applied and when it should be applied to real customer, real customer problems. But for me, this is like the best time to live. There's tech is just like, we're in the fourth industrial revolution on the tails of it. It's amazing to see the change. Let's get into our lightning round these questions, and really this entire podcast, are brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more. We love Salesforce. You will too. Check them out if you haven't already. Lightning round questions. Mary Beth, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is most fun? Uh, Waze. What is your favorite animal? My kitties. <laughs> favorite podcast or book that you've listened to or read recently oh uh, well i have to go with zone to win that's my last book i read what is your favorite vacation spot boulder colorado if you had a one day getaway in charleston if we're there for the weekend what would you say we absolutely have to do well you'd have to stay at my house and i would cook <laughs> really great food for you um and then we would probably uh, jump on our boat and cruise around the harbor. The, Charleston is beautiful from the water. What would you say is your best advice for a first-time CTO? Make sure that you've got really great people around you and that they challenge you. Hidden talent or passion? I play piano. Not very well. So don't ever ask me to do it in public. <laughs> but I can play some good heart and soul. Nothing else. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? I would have to go back to that question you asked me about what as a company are we doing to nurture our workforce? It kind of go back, goes back to like, how are we helping each other? How are just as a community within Blackbaud, but across the globe is what are we doing to help each other? I love it. That's it. That's all we got. That is, uh, that's our show for today. Um, any final thoughts, anything to plug? No, I just want to say, I really appreciate the time today and I just love the questions and it was great to talk with you. Yeah, it was great. Great chatting with you as well. Our listeners check out Blackbaud. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll link everything up in the show notes. Thanks for hanging out. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. <laughs>